Welcome to the Movie Planet. Now, to be clear, this is a episode we did a couple years ago on The Prestige. So again, the sound quality is a little off, but please bear with it. It's still a damn good podcast, and it's been rebranded and reworked for The Movie Planet. But I just cannot suck that reverb off this thing. So turn your headphones down just a little bit to, you know, so you're not irritated by the echoes. And enjoy. I'm your host, Joe, and with me is the Robert Angier and Alfred Borden to my John Cutter, Joel and Sam. Welcome, hey. boys. Hey. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. Did you enjoy the movie this week? Oh, for sure. I the, did, yeah. Yeah? I you, really picked, did. you picked it this week, right, Joel? Yes, yeah, because this is a movie that, even though I know we're supposed to recommend movies that we think everybody should see, I had actually not seen this. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, what? so it was rec- this is a movie that I've always wanted to see. A blind nomination? Blind nomination, because... I was so intrigued by this trailer. I don't know if it's like a Hugh Jackman thing, mm-hmm. but I've always wanted to see it. And then when uh, one of our listeners told us to watch it for a Netflix pick of the week, right. time got away from me and I still didn't get to watch it. <laughs> and so I knew if I picked it, I'd be forced to watch it. And I haven't had anything with Bale and Jackman that I haven't liked yet. Yeah. I like Christopher right. Nolan. And so I was like, let's just do it. Okay. You know? So in your opinion. Yes. Is this Christopher Nolan's best film? No. Okay. <laughs> it, it, Fair it, enough. It, yeah. Well, I'll get into that later. All right. Uh, but this was nominated for the Mystery Pantheon. It's really not so much a thrill. It's it's a mystery. It's in the same pantheon as Usual Suspects. Yeah. Uh, you know. So so we'll discuss the movie, and in an hour or so, we'll analyze it, grade it, or either induct it or exclude it. This is a spoiler-rich podcast. So if you haven't seen The Prestige. Pause now, watch it, enjoy it, come back, we'll, and listen to us. It's best if you stop right here, yeah. uh, we, and then listen to us, our analysis, and you know, just completely bitch us out on uh, social media or whatever, or be like, yes, they're gods, they know exactly what they're talking about, and we love them. But now that we've handled that business, let's get to our movie of the week. This week, we are talking about 2006's The Prestige, a movie made for $40 million that raked in $109.7 million. Directed by Christopher Nolan, written by him and his brother, Jonathan, based on a novel by Christopher Priest. Now, have you guys read the novel at all? I have not. No? No. I almost want to pick it up just to see what the novel's no, like. Because yeah. see where they took liberties and whatnot. Uh, starring Hugh Jackman as Robert Angier, Christopher Bale as... I was say Christopher Bale? Christian Bale as Alfred Borden, Michael Caine as Cutter, Piper Paraboo as Julia McCullough. Piper Paraboo. Yeah. Piper Paraboo. It's a great Pepper name, Pepper isn't Pepper it? Piper Paraboo. Piper Paraboo. Yeah. Rebecca Hall as Sarah. Scarlett Johansson as Olivia Wenscombe. There really is no shortage of hotties in this, is there? No. <laughs> uh, David Bowie as Tesla. And Andy Serkis as Gollum. I mean, Smeagol. I mean, D- uh, I mean Caesar. I mean, Allie. This guy. We, as himself. Th- Don't get on the set, get ready to shoot, and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time, and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies. I make films. This movie uh, came out within one month of The Illusionist. Yes. I was going to bring that up. Another Have magic movie. Have you seen that? I've not seen The Illusionist. There are two people in this world. Those that think The Illusionist is better and those that think The Prestige is better. After, over the years, I just melded them both in my I head. like them both. <laughs> one has Ed Norton in the, as the lead. The other one has... I remember when it came Hugh out. Hugh Jackman. Yeah. I was more interested in The Prestige. Yeah. Uh, Prestige came out a month after The Illusionist, so that probably nailed down why it didn't make as much money at the box office. Mm. It was October it came out, I think. But, hey, do you remember the first time you saw this? Yeah, I saw it on Tuesday. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I do remember that. Uh, this is, 
I about did the same thing with this one that I almost did with the usual suspects in that I started watching it when I was tired and I just like crashed maybe five minutes into the movie. <laughs> and so I like shook that off and restarted it from the very beginning. Cause I was like, yeah. no, I need to, you need to see this beginning to end. But I do remember watching it Tuesday. Okay. My memory serves me well <laughs> and I enjoyed it. All right, Sam, how about you? Cool. Yeah. Uh, I saw this opening weekend with my dad when it came out. Oh, really? And it was awesome. Okay. It still is. But, uh, yeah, as far as the illusionist goes, I like them both. Yeah. The casts are still unbelievable, both. And they're, like, obviously one is much different than the other. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you can't really, I mean, you can compare the two just because they came out simultaneously. But, yeah. Yeah. I know I saw this in the theaters, but I don't recall it. I don't remember seeing it in the theaters. I know I saw it because I saw both The Illusionist and this in theaters. So it, it's because I saw them at the same time and it was hard for me to remember certain details of the film uh, beforehand. I have to say that it left a rather forgettable thing in my head. I mean, if, okay. all the Nolan films I've seen since then have stepped it up beyond this point. It's not the best of Nolan's films. I was looking forward to seeing this again for the show, because I think the last time I saw The Prestige was, gosh, maybe two, three years ago. I think it's one of those. It's been a minute for me as well. Because I remember talking about this with The Usual Suspects, which is this is another movie where you see it like three times and you're good. You see it once for yourself, once to try to pick it all apart and see, you know, can you figure out the twist at the end? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the third time to watch somebody else watch it. And then after that, it's really, there's no need to watch it again, you know? Just like Dunkirk. Just like saw, Dunkirk. Saw, I saw it for the second time. You did? Week. Yes, I went again. Okay. with my friend Nicole and and uh, who had not seen it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back again. Maybe I'll, you know, like it and, you know, enjoy it the second time around. And no. you did not. No. <laughs> and she walked out as well being like, yeah, um, I kind of feel the same way where it's like. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get into the synopsis here. So here we go. The trick was too good. It was too simple. The audience hardly had time to see it. He's a dreadful magician. No, he's a wonderful magician. He's a dreadful showman. He doesn't know how to dress it up, how to sell it. Well, how does he do it? He uses a double. No, 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 no. It's too simple. This is a complex illusion. You only say that because you don't know the method. It's a double that comes out at the end. It's the only way. I've seen him perform the trick three times now, Mr. Carter. The prestige is the same man. No, it's not. The same man comes out of that second cabinet, I promise you. It's the same man. He wears padded gloves to hide his damaged fingers, but if you look closely, you can tell. He doesn't know how to sell his trick to an audience, but I do. Yeah, well, we can use it as a climax of the show. Yes. The man stole my life. I'm going to steal his trick. We've got to find someone who looks like you on stage. He doesn't use a dog. Robert, I don't know how Borden does the trick. So either you either wait for him to retire and find a secret, or you listen to how I would do it. And the only way that I know how to do it is to find you a bloody good double. The prestige begins with shots of several dozen top hats inexplicably strewn about in a forest. Cutter, in voiceover, explains the three parts of a magic trick while performing a disappearing bird trick for a little girl. Part one is the pledge, where the magician shows you something ordinary like a bird. Part two is The Turn, where he does something extraordinary, like make the bird disappear. But this isn't enough. There always has to be a third act, The Prestige, where you have a twist and bring the bird back. Only then will the audience applaud. 
During this time, Robert Angier, stage name, quote, the Great Danton, attempts a transporting trick that involves walking under a giant electrical machine with a Tesla coil and then disappearing through a trap door. Except that he falls straight into a giant tank of water that has been placed under the stage and is automatically locked inside. A man in the audience, who we shortly learn is fellow magician Alfred Borden, stage name, quote, the professor, forces his way beneath the stage in time to see Angier drown. After this introduction, we follow three timelines at once. In the present day, 19th century England, Borden is on trial for murdering Angier, who we learn was his greatest rival. Cutter is revealed to be Angier's engineer, the man who builds the machinery for his tricks, and the little girl is Borden's daughter, Jess. Cutter confides to the judge in a private meeting that the machine Angier was using wasn't built by him, but by a wizard, and it legitimately did what it appeared to do. The trial does not go well for Borden, and he faces execution. Later in jail, Borden is approached by the solicitor for a collector, Lord Caldlow, who is interested in buying his secrets, particularly the secret of Borden's famous transported man trick. The same collector has also bought all of Angier's equipment and props. In 1890s London, magician Robert Angier performs his trick, The Real Transported Man, to a sold-out theater. Rival magician Alfred Borden sneaks under the stage. At the trick's culmination, Angier drops through a trapdoor and into a waiting water tank, where Borden watches him drown. At Borden's murder trial, Angier's ingenue, John Cutter, testifies how Borden pushed the water tank under the trapdoor to catch and kill Angier during the time of his new transported man trick. In prison, Borden is visited by an agent of Lord Caldlow, who offers to care for Borden's daughter, Jess, in exchange for all of Borden's tricks. As a show of good faith, Caldlow gives Borden a copy of Angier's diary, which Borden reads. Years earlier, Angier and Borden work as shills for Milton the Magician, alongside Cutter and assistant Julia, Angier's wife. Milton's famous trick is the water tank trick, where Julia is bound in ropes and dropped in a water tank from which she frees herself and escapes. Borden, with Julia's consent, ties her hands with a riskier slipknot. Julia fall, fails to slip the knot and drowns, devastating Angier and fueling his deep-seated grudge against Borden. Borden launches a solo magic career and hires the silent, mysterious Fallon as his ingenue. Borden courts and eventually marries Sarah, who gives birth to their daughter, Jess. But their relationship is shadowed by Sarah's intuition that Borden is keeping secrets and that sometimes he is lying when he says he loves her. At his first show, Borden's bullet catch trick is sabotaged by Angier, and Borden loses two fingers. Angier launches his own magic career, hiring Olivia Wenscombe as his assistant and Cutter as his ingenue. During the finale of Angier's show, a disguised Borden sabotages Angier's birdcage act, which maims an audience member and ruins Angier's reputation. Angier discovers, that s discovers and steals Borden's fantastic trick, The Transported Man, where Borden instantly travels between two wardrobes on opposite ends of a stage. Cutter and Olivia groom Root, an out-of-work actor, into a double for Angier to mimic his appearance and mannerisms. The new transported man is a huge success, but Angier is displeased, as he ends the trick hidden under the stage while Root basks in the applause. Obsessed with Borden's secret, Angier orders Olivia to spy on him. Instead, she revamps Borden's act, making it more successful. Borden subsequently sabotages Angier's show, humiliating him and leaving him with a permanent limp. Angier confronts Olivia, who confesses to loving Borden before giving Angier a copy of Borden's diary, its contents scrambled by a coded cipher. 
Angier and Cutter kidnap Fallon and extort from Borden his code word, Tesla, which Borden claims is also his secret. As Angier leaves her America to find Tesla, Borden begins an affair with Olivia. Sarah becomes increasingly disturbed with Borden's fickle and contradictory nature and, succumbing to depression, commits suicide. In America, Angier meets scientist Nikola Tesla and asks him to build him the machine Tesla built for Borden. While waiting for Tesla to finish, Angier deciphers Borden's diary, which he discovers to be fraudulent. Borden confesses that Tesla has nothing to do with Borden's trick and that Borden ordered Olivia to give Angier the diary to send him away. Angier confronts Tesla, who admits to never having built any device for Borden, but has successfully built a replicating machine for Angier, capable of reproducing animals and inanimate objects a distance from the machine. As Tesla departs, he advises Angier to destroy the machine. Returning to London, Angier debuts The Real Transported Man, where he vanishes within the machine's electrical field and appears atop the balcony at the back of a hall. Baffled by the trick's success, Borden sneaks backstage to find Angier's secret, only to witness Angier drop through a trapdoor and plunge into a wading water tank where he drowns. Cutter stumbles upon the scene and Borden is arrested. In the present, Borden is found guilty and sentenced to death. He agrees to Lord Caldlow's terms and surrenders all his secrets. When Caldlow visits, Borden recognizes him as in Angier. Baffled by Angier's return, Borden begs for his life, but Angier ignores Borden's pleas. Borden is hanged and dies. His last word, abracadabra. Cutter learns that Caldlow has bought Angier's machine. When he visits him to plead for its destruction, he discovers that Caldlow is Angier and faked his death. Disgusted with Angier, Cutter agrees to help Angier dispose of his machine in a private theater. As the two work, Cutter discovers rows of water tanks containing rotting duplicates of Angier. Every show, Angier used the machine to create clones of himself atop the balcony, while unbeknownst to anyone, the original Angier fell through the trapdoor to be drowned in the tanks under the stage. His task finished, Cutter leaves the theater and passes a stranger on the street. The stranger shoots Angier and reveals himself as Borden. Angier realizes that Alfred Borden is actually an identity assumed by twin brothers who took turns being Borden and Fallon, the twin who loved his hanged wife, Sarah, and the one who loved the assistant, Olivia. Fallon loved Olivia and is the more hot-headed of the two brothers. He is the twin who, despite promising not to return to Angier's show, does so and is caught. Fallon, having exacerbated Sarah's depression, which leads to her suicide, is the twin who is hanged. The surviving twin is Sarah's husband. Borden berates Angier for going too far in his quest for dominance. Angier explains that giving his audience a moment of wonder and to bask in their applause was his great ambition. Angier dies as his fallen lantern sets the theater on fire. Borden picks up his daughter Jess at Cutter's workshop. A final glimpse of the burning theater shows what looks like the body of Angier in a water tank near the dead body. Uh, according to our good people at Rotten Tomatoes, it has a tomato rating of 76%. The critics, on the average, gave this film a 7.1 out of 10. Lower than I thought. Yeah. yeah, I would say so. The audience score, which is the average rating the audience gave the film, is a 4 out of 5, with 92% agreeing that it's a 3 or higher. So the audience liked it more than the critics did. Audiences tend to be more forgiving. I just talked to somebody the other day that was like, I love the Emoji movie. 
Well, Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> is in some hot water right now, right? With filmmakers? Well, yeah. Because they, it's affecting the people that actually go and make okay. decisions of their own? Well, uh, also make better movies <laughs> <laughs> if i'm spending 20 goddamn dollars that's yeah fair. that's awesome that's fair you I, better not let me go see another dark tower yeah all right so joe what did you think after watching the film okay great twists twists more than because there's more like one. four that happened within 10 minutes yeah great use of the three x dictated at the beginning with the pledge the what's the second one the turn and the prestige this is broken up in the exact same way so it's I, I liked it. Sam? Oh, I think it's an extraordinary film. Uh, that Just the overall mood and atmosphere and just the intrigue between the two magicians that worked together that have... Oh, my God. My mind is not awake. That's Sam awesome. went out partying last night. Uh, we are recording this on a Saturday, so please don't think that he went out on a Tuesday night and stayed out till 2 o'clock in the morning drinking absinthe. Not that <laughs> that doesn't still happen. <laughs> Where can you find absinthe? <laughs> France. Oh. No, but he yeah. was in France. Next time I'm there. <laughs> no, there's a, there's a killer uh, chocolate shop by day, and then it's an absinthe bar by night. No way. Yeah. <laughs> in Nashville? Yeah. Oh. And it's the coolest little shop. Ever. All you bachelorettes listening, may stop by <laughs> oh, there. Oh, no, 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 no. Delete that. Delete that. <laughs> yeah. No bachelorettes. No bachelorettes. Don't ruin this for me. <laughs> Woo! Woo! You guys saw the cover of the scene, right? No. It's the bachelorettes. The whole scene is about the Bachelorettes. Oh my no God. way. That's how they've affected Nashville. Well, you saw a Tailgate Brewery, shameless plug. Um, <laughs> they Dude, they came sad. out with a uh, a Woo Girl IPA or a Woo Girl beer. Is that <laughs> wait? Is that the one with the the guy on the T Rex? No, it is a because that's my boy Ryan, <laughs> who's a brewer there. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, the picture that they've done on the front is actually I'm pretty sure it's the Woo Girls from How I Met Your Mother, oh, and they <laughs> they drew like artfully like drew them up in. So it's these two cartoons of uh, girls on the front with like a cowboy hat up in the air, and it's uh, <laughs> the Woo Girl Ale or IPA. I can't remember what it is, but oh, yeah, sure. Nashville is starting to uh, create a brand for itself. Oh man, giddy up. Yeah. But anyway, Sam. Okay, so. <laughs> Prestige, yes, it's an awesome film. Uh, I love the overall atmosphere of the actual film itself. Um, the theme is great. The two magicians that are working together, um, they obviously Hugh Jackman doesn't trust the uh, Christian Bale, as a quote from Michael Caine. You can't trust another magician. And then obviously that fatal accident where he ties the knot and his wife, Hugh Jackman's wife dies. Yeah keeps them going in this downward spiral. It's just awesome to see the relationships between these two very strong actors. Yeah. We can talk about the casting in this a little bit later. Okay. Uh, because it's a smaller cast. It's small. There's not oh, a lot. Yeah, of, not not a lot. Yeah. I, mean, I just read the cast. It was like nine people total. Uh, but I think we can all agree that everybody in this movie that has a role plays it so a, well. Yeah. yeah. Casting's There great. isn't a bad cast in this. No. no. Uh, Joel, how about you? Thoughts after watching it? After watching it, well, even before it was over, I was so, you know, I was, I was like horizontal on the couch, and when the twist came around, I like in a house by myself, sat up, and went, "Holy sh!" It was awesome. Um, I really enjoyed it, after, especially the first time through. All right, let's play a game of Did the Awards Get It Right? Uh, at the Academy Awards, he got two, mon- two nominations but zero wins. It was in Best Achievement in cin- Cinematography, which I would have never picked for this film. Uh, Hans Labyrinth won. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was up against The Black Dahlia, Children of Men, The Illusionist, and The Prestige. So there, yeah, the two magic movies canceling each other out. Do you think that The Prestige should have beaten Pan's Labyrinth? No. I don't either. Because Pan's Labyrinth is unbelievable. Yeah. I never saw it. Okay. If you see visuals of it, you... Dude, d- you gotta see it. It looks so weird. It is wacky it's weird. way out there. Yeah. But when it comes to cinematography, out of those five, I gotta give it to Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and for best achievement in art direction, Pan's Labyrinth won again, which I think it should have. It was oh, against Dreamgirls, The Good absolutely. Shepherd, Pirates of the Caribbean, which I think people were tired of the Pirates at that point after just one movie because it was Dead Man's Chest. That and then two? Prestige. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, because the, the third one was... Uh, Black Pearl? No, the first one was Black Pearl. The second one was Dead Man's Chest. Yes. The third one was... At World's End. At World's End. Thank you. Got it. Yeah. So I think Art Direction, Pan's Labyrinth won. They, they, I think that was the year. That, didn't Labyrinth win like six, six awards that year? They, they raked, raked it in. Del Toro very, made his name that year. Very worth it. Very worth it. Yeah. Uh, at the Golden Globes, though, zero noms, zero wins. Yeah. Well, yeah. how about that? People, so, people hadn't black, fallen in love with black? Nolan yet. Not yet. Did you win anything? Because that movie did not do anything. anything. I don't think it won anything either. Okay. That's yeah. good. Exactly. So um, on to our next segment called Top 3, Bottom 3. This is where we pick our top three things that we love or the scenes we like in the movie. And then we choose the three things that we dislike about the film and uh, what we find the weakest. So let's start with the top three. Joe, what are the top three things that you want to highlight in this movie? Okay, my number three, Michael Caine is amazing. Yeah. Yes. If he says, I I love when he says words with a B-L-E at the end. Double. Double. Bubble. The double. Yes. (laughs) They use, he's using a double. (laughs) (laughs) No. It's too Uh, simple. Yeah. Number, so my number three is Michael Caine. Michael Caine, if he narrates anything... He is, and please excuse the identity of this stuff, he's the white Morgan Freeman. If, the, if you can't get Morgan Freeman, you get Michael Caine. Yeah. See, I'd rather have Michael Caine than Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Watch of the Penguins. Watch <laughs> <laughs> of the Penguins. Watch the royal family of the Penguins. <laughs> now, have you, have you uh, seen that little, uh, the little joke he made to where how, like how he picks the movies he gets in? Is it If He Blinks? No. What is it? It's... So I read the script, and if I'm in the beginning and the end, I'll fucking do it. <laughs> yeah. Kane doesn't want to die. He also <laughs> said that if you watch any of his movies, he never blinks in them. No way. Never blinks. What movie were we talking about? I'm we watching. Rewatch those. I movies know. What movie were we watching where I was like, "This guy has not blinked the entire <laughs> time." I don't remember. I don't think it was Usual Suspects. There was one movie we watched that said he has not blinked yet. Yeah, because like, I remember. Pay attention. This guy has not blinked the entire movie. I saw it in an interview where they were interviewing somebody else that was working with Michael Caine, and he, they had asked Michael Caine, hey, do you have any tips as an actor? Because it's my first movie, whatever it is. And he was like, yes, whenever the camera's on you, don't blink. <laughs> Something like that. Well, you know what? Some actors blink way too much, so maybe he's trying to avoid that. After watching this for the fourth or fifth time, you know I, what? He fucking blinks. Interstellar. Is he crying? No spoilers, please. Have you not seen Interstellar? I don't have, like, it's rare for me to find four hours the that I can sit down. What is wrong with you? It's, I, again, I, there, it's rare that I have, like, four hours I can sit down and really focus on a movie. <laughs> okay. I uh, really want to, but the okay. time frame let me is know, tough. Okay, let me know when you're free next week. <laughs> I'm going to come over because that is my absolute favorite Christopher Nolan film, if not my favorite film of that year. Really? It is. Oh my, yeah. You give me a day. I will come over. <laughs> I'll bring some 
uh, plantains or if you want beer, I'll bring some beer. Absinthe. <laughs> some chocolate absinthe. <laughs> some truffles and absinthe. Yeah, that'd be great. Cheese board, we'll make it a night. But my number two is the very, very, very subtle duality of Christian Bale in this. If you watch it the first time, you don't catch it. No. If you know the twist and you watch it a second time, you're looking for it and you can kind of see it in certain scenes. The third time, you start to pick apart who's who. You know who it is. They give you every possible hint along the way as to who it is. Uh, and my number one, the film is set up as one big magic trick for the audience. The audience spends more time trying to figure out the trick rather than worry about the story, which is probably a good thing because there isn't much of a story in this. It really? is what, See, I think it there is, is a story. It is two people who I view as very... You have one representing obsession, one representing de- devotion. And it's a one-up... It's one-upmanship. You figure after... That's a pretty like, good story, the though, right? Time, the problem is, is there are things that happen along the way that propel them to do certain things that don't make a lot of sense. Like, like for instance... Like continuing to get audience members well, and volunteers... <laughs> The, the coincidental nature of the fact that they just happen to pick each other in the audiences every single time to go on stage. Uh, you have to build up to that. You have to show us. They've done a few shows here, and maybe that person's been to the show every single night waiting to be that one person to get pulled up, and then they get pulled up. Those little things like that. Or the fact that his wife, who's got a daughter, Borden's wife, who has a daughter, hangs herself because not today. Stop it. Stop it. You've got any mother. We're out- on the positives. Well, I know, but I'm just saying you, <laughs> you asked me to defend this. So now I have to, I, my positive is that I love the fact that it's a big magic trick for the audience. That's my positive oh, is that the whole movie you, is you're you, trying, you're trying to figure out what the, the magic trick exactly. is. It's being performed yeah. in front of you. You get the prestige in act one, the turn in act two and, or no, I'm sorry, the, uh, pledge in Act 1, the turn in Act 2, and the prestige in Act 3. I think that that's brilliant. I love that part of it. And that's why I don't need much of a story at that point then because I get what I'm watching. And I think Nolan was very smart about that. He could have tried to jam more into this, but his vision of this, like Dunkirk, was not to tell so much a story but a performance on the screen. So that's what I liked about it. Sam, what about you? What were your three? The connection to Tesla and science and that this wasn't, you know, with the illusionist, there was science as well. Yeah. But they, he, they, in the illusionist, they didn't do it as well, I don't believe. But uh, the tie-in, I mean, obviously there's science fiction, but it kind of works. And it's just really cool. And the scenes with Tesla are awesome. David Bowie's awesome. Um, oh, we'll, we'll talk about that later. For yeah. You can argue with me about that later. Michael Caine. <laughs> Michael Caine. Um, <laughs> as the Sherpa and guide for these <laughs> magicians, he does an excellent job. Yeah. And number one is just the relationship between uh, Big C and Big H. As dumb as some of their decisions are for movie purposes, their relationship and just the back and forthness of obsession and um, dedication and how... If you pick a uh, a road with any passion of yours, if you fully devote yourself or if you become obsessive, you will lose and you will sacrifice for both ends. Yeah. Whether that's revenge or just passion for the art. Yeah. There's and, a sacrifice. And this is also the second movie or the first movie 
that we see the Michael Caine Christian Bale relationship because you see it again in Dark Knight, mm-hmm. Alfred and Batman. So the mentorship continues. Michael Caine, great mentor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Joel, how about you? What are yours? Uh, I love the twist at the end. Which, uh, which one? All of them. It's <laughs> um, my number three, and I'll talk more about it later. Yeah. Uh, number two, the surprise of David Bowie and Andy Serkis. I did not look into this movie before I started watching it, so I just began. Mm-hmm. And I loved getting to see Andy Serkis as himself. <laughs> and I was surprised to see David Bowie come out as Tesla. Yeah. And so I enjoyed having that little like side nugget in the uh, film. And number one, I love that the movie itself was an illusion. And yeah. I think that you said it better than I did. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. My number one is that the whole movie is an, it's an act. Yeah. yeah. So it's like inception. Uh, it's you're talking about a people that are trying to find the perfect illusion, the perfect magic trick while at the same time, the audience watching the film yeah. is being tricked. And that's what I like that you get to the end and you realize they were fooling me the whole time. You're not just someone that's enjoying a movie. You were also like part of it. And so like, I, I love that part of it. All right. So let's move on to the bottom three. If there's anything you want to vent about now is the time, okay. Joe. Okay. My number three, it keeps telling you the twist through the whole movie. The trick can only be done by him. The little boy asking, but where's his brother? The coin has two heads. It's pretty heavy-handed. You don't need all that foreshadowing. I think he got too cute with it. Oh, see, I never caught it the first time. Yeah, I, never... I never caught it. Okay, because I remember the first time I knew it. Because Kane oh. says right away, first of all, it's the period of the time. It's the time period. But, that it's, you... but it's just like a magic trick where the solution is so simple that you can't believe that it is that. Yeah. But that's the problem is that Kane has already labeled Jackman as obsessive. And he even says, your obsession is clouding your judgment. And then they do the reveal. So the audience goes, oh, yeah, you're right. His obsession is doing that. It's probably twins. It's his double. That's what it is. It's, it wasn't the early 1900s this is supposed to be taking place in? Yes. Yeah. So when you think of the time period, also, you're not going to have the technology to do holograms and stuff. It has to be a simple thing like that. So that, that, that I would have liked less of the foreshadowing, because I don't think you needed all of it. Um, my number two is Scarlett Johansson just seems out of place in this. Like, Paraboo was replaced way too fast. Whenever she's on the screen, I just feel like she's acting in a different movie. She's great in it, but I just feel like all of her lines are like, we need something for her to say. We can't just have her standing there in a corset as yes. much as we like. Exactly. And my number one, the fact they got a full-on doppelganger for Angier. That's an illusion I don't buy. Make him look a little bit different, and he has to wear some kind of cloth or prosthetic. I mean, Fallon wore one. They had the technology then. Do something like that. But he looked identical to Hugh Jackman. So I'm like, mm, that's in the same town. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you found the exact replica. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So th- those are my three. Do you guys want to take an issue with any of mine? Challenge me a little bit? I mean, no. you believe what you believe. Yeah, I mean, it, listen, it's okay if you disagree. I'm not going to disagree with you, so. No, no I totally, like, I, I will agree that... Now that I've watched it for the f- however many times, yeah, um, I will say that, yeah, you are right. They might have foreshadowed it. I didn't catch it, but other people might have caught it. I think it's intentional, though. I Probably. Think it's it's mm-hmm. just like a little dangle in front of your... Yeah. yeah. Sam, how about you? Uh, I thought Christian Bale's wife's death um, was a little dramatic. I don't think it was... You mean the drowning? No, 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 no. Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Oh, Christian Bale's. Yeah, the hanging. I thought it was just a little dramatic. It felt out of place. It felt really out of place. I didn't, it was, as soon as that happened, I was like, that's sad, but why did she do it? 
That's something that I was thinking about because wouldn't it be better if she went to his studio and saw the makeup and all that, seeing two chairs, and then she realizes that the reason why not today and, oh, you mean it today, she figures it out and she realizes she's been duped. She almost feels raped on an every other day basis, and then she does that. I could understand that. Yeah. Because she, here's the thing, she, she is leaving a daughter behind. And if it's been this long with the guy, she would have just left the guy with oh, the daughter, yeah. right? Yeah. So I would have liked some more psychological damage to her to yeah, get exactly. to that point. Because there's, there's, if she had packed up and left, yeah. I would have been like, oh, that sucks. That's believable. But she killed herself with a daughter. That she had, it's like it makes no sense. And left him with, left her with the psychotic guy she's trying to get rid of. Exactly. (laughs) Or, Uh, or Fallon. (laughs) Or Fallon. Or Lord Caldro. Calls. This girl gets passed around like a joint. God. All right. Uh, What else you got there, Sam? Scarlet's cute, but I, I I just kind of, she just, exactly. She seems out of place, and I, I don't get her thought process and motive. By the end of her role. Okay. When she's switching back and forth. Yeah. I wish they would have shown in the credits, maybe Kane talking to her going, this is what you're going to do. If we're going to get Borden's daughter back, you have to do this and this. Because my whole thing at the end is I think Michael Kane has known all along. And that's Probably. the ultimate twist. What else you got? Uh, I think I'm going to piggyback off yours with the, dom- the doppelganger. <laughs> that makes of all the coincidences it's, you're a magician and you find the perfect guy who is an actor yeah who is an exact art replica yeah if you did a little prosthetic to make it a little different then it make a little more sense but mm-hmm. or get like a stunt double that kind of looks like you okay joel how about you what are your three uh the third i don't you know at first i thought that it was on purpose i thought they were working together with the audience calls but it, by the end, you realize, oh, it's he's doing it by mistake. Like he's not meaning to come up on stage. They, he gets called up a lot. Yeah, and I've been in a lot of crowds and I've raised my hand a lot of times for something, <laughs> and I never get called on. Yeah. Um, and so that coincidence was kind of heavy. Um, Bale's accent, it um, that's a little rough. <laughs> it you know it reminded me of Newsies. I oh, that's right. I heard Newsies the entire time. Yeah, that New York accent that he had in that. Yeah, some honestly, like sometimes I wish that the director would just say, "Hey, I I realize that you've worked really hard on doing this accent and getting into character. Here's two million dollars. Just talk normal. Like we're really sorry for your time that you've put devoting into this, but just talk like yourself." Oh, see, is, I thought his accent was fine. Is Christian Bale British? He's Australian. Oh, he's Australian. Is Last, he really? No, I think he's. That's Hugh Jackman. Yeah, Jackman is. I feel like they both are. Logan is not Batman. <laughs> <laughs> But the first one that my, I wish they could have done the movie without the fancy clone machine. No, he's an English yes! actor. <laughs> he's English. Oh, really? He is. Okay, oh, so it, maybe it's his actual accent. <laughs> then that's just sad. He's if from, that's he's from Wales. If that's his real accent, then I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and I only have two. Your British um, accent is not believable, Brit. Well, or <laughs> it's me saying like your Batman was so good. Your Bruce Wayne was very, very good. And yeah. I want Bruce Wayne. Um, <laughs> do. But I wish they could have, man, I wish they could have found a way to wrap up the ending without the clone machine and taking it into like that alternate reality. I do get why I do get why. And I think that 
when they put it in there, they used it well. Like if you're going to have it in there, I think they used it in a good way. But I wish, you know, if I, because negative, negatives for me, I have to nitpick. I mean, in okay. accent, that's, you know, easy to get past audience calls. But I, I wish that the ending, I wish I could see an alternate ending where the time machine doesn't exist. But then I don't get Tesla and Andy Serkis. Yeah. But who, who do you all think is the audience for this movie, Joe? All right. Adults who want to sit down and watch a movie with no distractions whatsoever. You put your phone in another room. You got to pay attention to everything. I even say at the, very, the first line is, are you watching are closely? Are you watching closely? Yeah. You pay have attention. to watch closely. If you're sitting there and you're going to be preoccupied by your friend texting on the phone, get off your goddamn phone. Be a kid of the 90s and enjoy. Uh, Sam? Oh, I'm going to piggyback off what you said. That's a perfect explanation for who the audience member is for. All right. Joel? Uh, I will say people who try to figure out, who like to try to figure out who done it. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I, th- I think it's funny that we're on like opposite sides of this because you said it was like super predictable. This one was like, I saw nothing coming. Oh, like, I, maybe I should have. I, I didn't think it was super predictable. I just thought they showed too many, they showed their underwear too many times. Like, if you were to go back and watch it a second time. If you, if you watch it a second time, you're going to see it all because you know the right. twist. But the, the twist of the transported man and how he does it, they elute that twist. They show a lot. The other ones, who Lord Codlow is, who uh, that Michael Caine is going to get him back and all, get the daughter back and all that. That stuff you don't see. Right. But the ultimate one, the, the real uh, push for why Angier is doing all this, you know. And you don't understand why he doesn't know. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So not super predictable, but maybe I just said it too poorly. I'm having a bad communication day, apparently. Joel's <laughs> um, translating very well for me today. <laughs> I'm trying a new medicine. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I think though Nolan fans that want a little something different. People that have fallen in love with Nolan for Batman or different things like that. This is a little bit of a different side of Nolan, maybe the start of Nolan. Cause I can't remember what his first movie was. Memento. Yeah. Have you ever seen that? I have not. That might be his best film ever. Um, no? It's a good. It's the best start film. We'll argue about Nolan later. Okay. Yeah. All right. But no, I think this is for people who really enjoy Nolan. If you like mysteries, watch this movie, but you already have, and you're listening to us. Now. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but yeah, I think, this is a great movie if you've seen a lot of Nolan films, but you haven't seen this yet. Okay. So if we're going to go into the movie report card, A, B, C, D, F, in the mystery feature film genre, what would you put? Give us a grade and a couple comments to defend said grade. Okay. If you want an example of a typical Christopher Nolan film, this is the perfect example. It is not one of his best, and it's not one of his worst. It's right in the middle. But an average Nolan film is still a better than average film. So don't worry. I'm not giving this a C or C plus. But I'm also not giving this an A and sending it to the Pantheon either. Interstellar is a better Nolan film. Much. Yeah. Memento is a better mystery film than this oh, yeah. is. Now, would Interstellar be... Con- it's not a mystery, though, is it? Interstellar is not sci-fi. No. Yeah. But Memento is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The cool thing about... Uh, you know what? I'm not even going to tell you what it's about. <laughs> I'm not even going to... Because, no, it just ruins it. If you go into... Memento, just like you did with The Prestige, it will be that much better. Okay. (laughs) The performance by the key players, Michael Caine, Hugh Jackman, and Christian Bale are very good, but they are hampered by the way the periphery characters, played by Scarlett Johansson, David Bowie, and Andy Serkis, who give good performances, but are poorly written. The soundtrack is a bit forgettable, but it doesn't mean it's bad. It's average for a movie. Score? Yeah. Score or soundtrack? The score. Score. We'll get to that on Wednesday. All right. Uh, Yeah. 
Well, actually, we got to it on Saturday. We got to it on Saturday. Hope you enjoyed the show. (laughs) Uh, The story itself is a good story, and 85% of the time it flows well and works. There are a few times, though, in the cinematic magic trick where Nolan gives too much away. At the beginning of the film, Borden asks, are you watching closely? The problem here is that you've just been told as the audience to watch everything you put on the screen and analyze it. Magic tricks work because of how quickly they are done on stage and the fact you see it once and that's it. This is a two-hour magic trick that leaves a lot of room for the audience to figure it out with the clues the writers and director present. For example, once Borden has his fingers blown off, the audience is constantly looking at the fingers whenever they see him because of the number of times they've dropped clues about Borden's trick. Mm -hmm. One or two less reveals, and I think it would have been better. The time with Tesla seems to slow things down a bit, but it's necessary. I just wish it was done more expediently. Treebeard. Yes. (laughs) I have problems with slowdowns. (laughs) Its biggest problem is also its biggest strength. It's so grounded in reality that a supernatural event for the transporting man would look ridiculous. When they add the supernatural in the Tesla twin portion, it feels like a cheat. It makes you question the legitimacy of the characters in this world. As far as I'm concerned, this part did not need to happen for this to be a good movie. This was a half-hearted way to make you think that maybe Borden was using Tesla's machine, but it only works if you know it all along. The only other way to do this trick during this time in the world is the twin. I mean, how many times does the, quote, always smarter than everyone else Michael Caine have to tell you this? However, this is enjoyable. Watching two men constantly try to one-up each other is fun when it comes to the tricks. I like the rivalry. Overall, in the mystery genre, I'm giving this a B plus. Last week, I gave the suspects an A, the usual suspects an A, in the same genre because it sets you up with clues that were subtle enough to barely notice. You can fool an entire audience with that film if they haven't seen Scary Movie. Sorry, Joel. Agree to disagree, but... (laughs) In fact, I think the best magic trick in that film fooled audiences better than the trick in this film. It's it's still a damn fine movie, and a B-plus is a damn fine grade for this. Uh, Sam? I'll make this super short and sweet because I totally didn't do this before, prior to the podcast. You were partying last night. I've been working. <laughs> Dude, I got to shake that ass for that money, you know? So. <laughs> 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 Prestige, uh, I will give it a B mm. in oh. the mystery. It's just. Uh, Thanks for that analysis. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> the Prestige, I give it a Stop B. Stop whining. <laughs> I give it a B. It is a very, very strong movie in itself, but as far as mysteries go, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to go with you. B plus. It's better than a B, but it's not an A because I'm still, I put it, I compare it to the rest of Christopher Nolan's films. Mm -hmm. But aside from that, the cast is unbelievable. The rivalry is worth the watch alone. Um, Trying to figure out what's going on is like trying to figure out a magic trick where it can be so the, the 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 solution can be so simple but it's always the sleight of hand that keeps you looking at the wrong thing and you're always led to another object instead of trying to figure out where like let's say a card trick you're always like moving with the hand and not really noticing that he's slipping it under his hand yeah. under the deck so yeah b plus i think is a very generous and spot on grade for that and and i'll be honest with you i love this movie Oh, this movie's awesome. Like, I'm going to buy it later. We'll get into that later. But I, and I also think we can all agree the critics are way wrong on this and thinking that's a seven out of 10. It's yeah, not. No. It's an eight or higher. Yeah, for sure. You know, it, I, I think that they were just way too harsh on this film. And, and maybe because they saw the illusionist first and they had magic fatigue. 
Maybe. Could be. Who knows? Uh, Joel, what about you? Uh, this movie's beautifully made. I'm not typically one for older settings, uh, but Nolan did a great job putting this film together. Uh, the actors work really well together. The casting was excellent. And I believe the flow of the story clicked together extremely well. Uh, the movie kind of changes after you know the conclusion, and I would like to go back and pay attention to the I love you and the, like today you mean it scenes. Uh, it is a longer movie, but there's something about the theme of pride and greed that gets me. We saw that as a recurring thing in The Hobbit. Yeah. The, you know, Jackman getting pushed because he wants to, he just wants to get even. But every time Christian Bale does something else, he's like, no, we're not even. I need the last say. And so, like, the push to be on top of, you know, like he said, it's going to be your demise of your obsession. He wasn't, I don't think, obsessed with the magic trick. I think he was obsessed with getting even with Bale's character. I think that's the true obsession that he has. And having everything that Christian Bale had. Right. Has and more. Yes. He was always jealous. Yeah. The family, the kids. Like it was like the first 20 minutes. He was like, see that? He has everything and it was taken away from me. Mm-hmm. He's talking about the the wife and the child. Yeah. Much like a magic trick, you look way too hard and into how or why he's pulling off the trick. And in the end, it's really the most simple solution. Um, all hidden from us from with an illusion. I'm not a fan of how they went supernatural. I spent the, but I did spend the entire movie cheering for Hugh Jackman's character and then seeing how his mind was twisted all at the end for, uh, just for a trick or just to get even, um, somehow like it made me happy all by the time the credits rolled. So, I mean, usually when I watch movies, I'm like, who am I cheering for? Who am I cheering against? And so the way they did the ending, I, you're rooting for Hugh Jackman the whole time. Who are you rooting for? Michael Caine. <laughs> but like, I all wanted, right, well, I'll fix the pyramid because well, I was going for Christian Bale. Bale. <laughs> well, because you're cheering for Hugh Jackman because in the beginning of the movie, you think he's dead. And you're thinking, I want somehow by the ending, it's, you know, mm-hmm. you, cause you know, Hugh Jackman lost, you think, because he's dead at the very beginning. Yeah. You don't expect him to come back at the end. So I was like, holy, <laughs> that's when he, I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. As far as mystery films go, is A minus Pantheon? A is. A is Pantheon. I yeah. thought it was like if it was an A minus average. No, it's got to be an A average for for A average for, for the entire. Like we have to, podcast. we all agree this is a perfect film for this genre. That's gonna be tough for the future. Uh, well, we've we've had, we've done those before, where everyone had an A. Caddyshack was an A. Well, it's, Caddyshack is an obvious winner. <laughs> we, um, we, Alien was an A. Spaceballs was. Spaceballs was an A. Yeah. yeah. Um, I still I. I would put this at the bottom of my... If people were saying, I want a mystery movie, I would say like, yeah, you should watch this. Mm -hmm. But as far as mystery movies go, it's still like an A- minus in my eyes. I think it's a very great film. Just comes up a little bit short for me. And it's probably my favorite mystery movie I've seen in recent memory. Mm -hmm. But the feel, I feel like I'm kind of like duped when they say, oh, guess what? We can clone. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. No, the f*** you can't. (laughs) (laughs) You can't. As much as I loved Circus, I love Circus, I love Bowie. And those were some of the most beautiful shots in the whole movie with the oh. light bulbs in the ground. Let's just and talk about, because you're going to squash both. <laughs> I felt you. You're going to squash you, both. Like, his entrance in this film is so badass. When Who's? David Bowie's. Oh, okay. Tesla's. When Hugh Jackman is walking into the giant warehouse in the Tesla coils going off, and out of nowhere, this figure's walking through the, mm. uh, what, the static field? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just such a cool intro. Ziggy Stardust is here. Yeah, it is. Exactly. <laughs> because in my mind, I was like, I wonder if Circus is actually Tesla pretending to be somebody else. Which oh. that would have been another twist at the end they could have done. Kind of like, 
Uh, well, what movie is that where the um, uh, the the Igor really is Frankenstein? Oh, I don't remember. Oh, I don't know either. Oh man, I Frankenstein? No, Young Frankenstein? Just no. kidding. He's pronounced Igor. <laughs> so you're oh. giving it a? I'm giving it an A minus. A minus. Okay. Um, but I do like how because again, I was cheering for Jackman. I wanted like you know his wife to be like vinged or whatever. I don't know. Avenged. Um, avenged. Thank you. <laughs> and when I see that he's just like been creating clones and drowning them every night, every night to see like his mind is fully oh. warped because he wants to, he wants people to believe that he's the perfect magician. When you see the warehouse full of floating bodies, I'm like, Oh my gosh, Jackman is, is twisted. Oh. Yeah. And I'm kind of glad that he was shot at the end of this. But the movie does such a good job of like giving you like suspense, like with the, with the bullet and like the catching the bullet tricks and they're small, like tiny little magic tricks. Like I loved how you, uh, now you see me. Yeah. I think that's such a fun movie to watch. It's not a perfect oh, sure. film. It's, it's so much fun, fun to watch. Though. Very fun. Yeah. And I love magic tricks and this movie is so, was so much fun to watch. But again, there's something about it that's keeping me from giving it a perfect a, I think it's a great movie. If you like magic movies, if you like, mysteries you should watch this what but i mean you're not going to enjoy it as much now because you're at the end of our podcast and you know how it ends yeah so sucks but um <laughs> you know what i think would have been interesting is rewrite if, the ending go <laughs> okay is if there was some connection with the very first clone and hugh jackman and they swapped roles but the clone figured out that he was going to be drowned and swapped places with the original, and the original Hugh Jackman dies. And it, he's not expecting the lock on the, the uh, water tank. I'm and gonna, if the clone was actually just killing all these clones and taking... Hugh Jackman was so obsessed that the first run, try, the, the first run through, mm -hmm. he was going to be like the doppelganger, where he goes down, and then the doppelganger is the end of the show, yeah. takes the bow. But what if the clone was like, no, I'm taking the spot now. That there, there, that was something that I, when I watched it this time, I was like, because there, after he does the transported, the new transported man, and he ends up on the balcony, you see Borden and Fallon trying to figure out the trick. And he says, how does he move 50 feet in a second? And I thought, you can do the same trick. You have a twin, yeah. dummy. <laughs> you can do the exact same thing. <laughs> You're just not thinking out the box. Exactly. Just move him up there. I wonder if he would have done it where the, up on the balcony, he, he would have been like, they've figured me out. They, at this point, if it's so far away, they're going to look into it and they're going to find out that I have a twin. Yeah. Because in his mind, I bet he's thinking, how can I make this trick to where it is mind-blowing, but also somehow believable? I think they focused on the wrong thing. And when they had that conversation, they should have said, how does he, instead of saying, how does he move from 50, 50 feet in one second, they should have said, how does he disappear on stage? Because that was the trick. He didn't just walk through a door. He literally was there and then vanished. Yeah. That is the trick. Yeah. And I thought they hit the wrong note on that. But piggybacking off of your ending, because at the end, when he shoots you, Jack, when he shoots Angier, I'm expecting as Borden's walking away for another Angier to walk out the other. Yes. The shadows be like, mm -hmm, see, I'm the real Lord Caldlow. And I was like, yeah, just do it. You've already tricked me seven times. Why not an eighth? Oh, see, I feel like that would have been too much. That would have been too much. Yeah. <laughs> we <Yeah>. get it. <laughs> so if this movie was released on Blu-ray, 
would you buy it, bin it, stream it, borrow it, or forget about it, Joe? Okay. I said buy it earlier, but I, I, I think I'm glad I'm not the only one here that the supernatural thing bothered a little bit. Yeah. Because magic isn't supernatural. Well, ma- magic in itself is, but illusions. Real Michael. magic. Tricks Real are what a whore magic. does for money. Yes. Which, have you guys seen the trailer for this movie? The Prestige? Yeah. I, I remember being a long time awesome. ago. Okay. I'm going to play after we're done here, because I have the trailer at the beginning of this whole thing. Okay. Uh, I'll play the trailer, and you'll see they marketed this to seem almost dark magic. Yeah. 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 So people went to go see it. I can see why I made little, because they went expecting one thing, and they got something else. Uh, but I'm going to bin this. I don't own it. If it's on sale for $5.99, I'll pick it up. It, it, I think it's a good... It, I'm a fan of taking... Like, Nolan's has enough movies now where it's kind of like, I want to start collecting the Nolan films. Because mm. they all seem to be pretty good. They're never bad. They're never right. average. They're always a, a step above. He doesn't pick bad properties. So I'm going to bin it. Sam, how about you? I picked this up years ago at McKay's for like five bucks. And then I sold it back to them. Oh, really? Wow. Just to, just to clean it. Well, no, it was just to clean out the collection, just to kind of minimize it. It was getting too large. So would you pay so, 24 bucks for this? Would you pay 10 bucks for it? Would you just be like a $7.99 on Netflix? What? I've seen it so many times that I couldn't possibly buy it again. Your enjoyment factor is what we're measuring here. Okay. Like you see, as soon as it comes on Blu-ray, you're like, okay, I got to have this. Because it's so enjoyable. When I saw it in theaters, that was the first thing I said. It's like, oh my God, I can't wait to own this and rewatch it again. So you're buy it. So buy it. Okay. Jolt? Um, I'm going to say it, for where I am now, Bennett mm-hmm. on Blu-ray, if I made more money and if it wasn't on Netflix, then I would buy it. Yeah. But it's hard for me to go out and spend 20 bucks on a movie that is on Netflix. Um, but on, to be honest, like with Amazon now, the right price exists, you know, <laughs> I, the I price is a, wrong, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the reason I say Bennett is because like I said earlier, it's really tough for me to sit down and because on these movies, I really like to focus. Mm-hmm. And it's rare in my life that I have two hours just to sit and focus. Uh, it's worth buying if yeah. this is your cup of tea. But for me, where I am in life right now, it would be a Bennett. Now, I remember when this came out, I had not seen The Illusionist. And this was back in the day when Netflix was not a streaming service. <laughs> and I got The Illusionist through Netflix, the OG, in the mail. Nice. And that was great. <laughs> that's awesome. But um, that's also for all you kids. We used to not be able to stream movies whenever we wanted. Yeah, to. we had to wait for it in the mail and then send it back in an envelope. In an envelope, you had to go to the go to the blockbuster and check out the new release wall and hope hey. that your tape was there. I love blockbuster <laughs> and hope that your favorite movie was next to the eighteen-year-old section. The, the so blockbuster it didn't look too anonymous. Sneak into that closet in the back. <laughs> the blockbuster movie and Game Pass was the best thing that. Yes. That's all we've got time for today, Movie Planeteers. Next show, we'll continue to look at the mystery thriller genre with Caitlin coming into the studio, and we're going to review Gone Girl. Caitlin wanted to do Gone Girl, so we're going to do Gone Girl. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, or Spotify, and give us a four- or five-star review. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, and follow the Instagram. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet podcast are those of the individual hosts. 
The Movie Planet podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. Thanks for listening. Go watch Gone Girl. Happy movie watching. <laughs>